He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. Howdy, howdy. This is Laura Giles with Surviving to Thriving, and we're in the season of summer. It's time to shine, to know yourself, be yourself, and love yourself. And you can't do that if you can't lead yourself. Guess what? Everyone isn't born to lead others. Leading is a hard and thankless job when you're out there alone blazing a trail for others. It's hard. So everyone isn't cut out for that. There's only one alpha in the pack, but we're all called to lead ourselves. And my guest today is Daryl Williams, a military veteran who went from Compton to the White House. So he knows a little something about overcoming adversity. Let's hear what he has to say. Welcome, Daryl Williams. So, Daryl, you grew up in Compton, which for those of us who are old enough to remember Boys in the Hood, um, that's where it is and that's what it is. So how did you go from that to becoming a White House Communications Agent Hall of Fame member? Uh, first of all, thank you for that question, Laura, and thank you for having me on here today. Um, for me, it was really kind of simple. I didn't have a lot of options back then. Uh, again, those that remember the movie Boys in the Hood, that's definitely the environment that I grew up in. And luckily for me, uh, I was hanging around a lot of guys. Some were still kind of partaking in neighborhood type of um, activities. But then we had a couple that were really into the books. And one mm-hmm. gentleman that was on grade ahead of me um, and Rod Goldman, I would give him a shout out. He was really the brainiac of the group. Everybody knew he was going to college. So once he got his letter for USC, it really kind of opened up my eyes. Okay, now what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. But I realized I didn't have the grades that Rod had. And my junior year, a recruiter approached me from the Army, didn't even think about the service at that time, and he really didn't want to go in there. But the more he started talking to me, Laura, the more I was like, you know what? This doesn't sound like a bad thing. You know, uh, travel, 30 days paid vacation, uh, pay for my education. It's like, why not? So for me, the Army was my way of kind of leaving Compton and going out and to see what the world really had. And I always tell people, I speak at a lot of um, school assemblies and career days, and I tell them, growing up in Compton made me mentally tough. It kept my head on the swivel. It allowed me to kind of grow up a little bit faster than I wanted to. But those same traits helped me in my day-to-day. So I'm grateful for my background. I wouldn't change anything about it. And then just moving through my military career allowed me to uh, get what they call a special assignment, which is not the normal Fort Bragg, Fort Hood, those type of places, but it's those, the Pentagons, uh, Joint Staff. They look for a certain type of individual that they believe that has that maturity 
to kind of still maintain their soldier skills but operate in this civilian environment. And I just had a great mentor, uh, Command Sergeant Major um, Hunt, who believed in me when I didn't even know about special assignments. He changed my assignment from Fort Hood to the Pentagon. And even though I didn't like it and I struggled, um, as we were talking before, uh, putting the right mentors in my life helped me to see the bigger picture. Sometimes we don't see the big picture. We only see what's right in front of us. And it takes those mentors and people that's going to pour into you to say, oh, that's why this is happening. That's why that's going on. So having those mentors really allowed me to make it through my normal Army career and then eventually go to the White House communications agency. Was your father instrumental in any of that? So my father was instrumental in the fact that um, he just worked with his hands a lot. And I never forget, I was telling my kids the other day, um, you know, he ended up, um, I think he only had a sixth grade education. And then after that, he just worked to take care of his family. So when he moved from Arkansas to Compton, um, he just found whatever job he could. And he was very good at it, very hard worker. And I know that's where I get a lot of that from. But I remember that when I would get bad grades, um, according to him anyway, he would just show his hands to us, Laura, and be like, see this? I don't want you to have to work with your hands. I want you to at least have an option mm -hmm. to use your mind. And I'm telling you, Lord, that was worse than getting a beating with the belt because you just felt, you know, that intensity from him. Like, I want y'all to have better than me. So my father was very instrumental in just showing me um, that, hey, there's a better way and a different way out there. Do you think, I would imagine, um, because statistics say this, that a lot of kids didn't have a father. Do you think having a father in your home made a difference for you? I think it did. I think it did. And where I grew up, there were definitely a lot of situations where fathers may not have been there. But one thing I always tell people in the community, there's always somebody. Yeah, I agree. I don't care if it's an uncle, a coach, a teacher that you can't stand, but eventually you grew up loving them because they saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself. There's always a male figure around and we just have to pause just enough to just realize, okay, who's around me that I can kind of glean from? Because sometimes we're so busy doing life, we don't take enough time to sit back and really see who's in our corner. I agree with what you're saying. And I also hear the people who say, you know, I can't have a chance because of the color of my skin or because of the economics, nobody's supporting me. So they're not seeing what you're saying. Um, what what was different about you that you didn't go down that route, do you think? I think one thing for me was uh, my faith. Uh, my, my dad was the disciplinarian and the hard work and ethic I got from, but then from my mom's side, I got the faith. And I loved about my mom was she didn't just show us scriptures to keep us in line. Like she would show us scriptures to show us a possible future. So for me, I took that and along the way, I became a youth pastor helping out in different places, wherever I was stationed at, right, trying to give back to the community. So I would put that in front of a kid to say, hey, even though you might not have what everybody else has, what do you have? What are you good at? Mm -hmm. And even the one that would say, well, I'm not good at anything. I was like, well, it's not true. You might not see it yet, but let's work on that over this next year. And just working with people and allowing them to see that, wow, I am good at something and I can take this one little thing and follow it and see what happens. So for those people, and I always love when I went to the schools, 
like they would try to bring me especially when they see my background they would try to put me in front of the honor kids and like no 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 i need to talk to the kids that nobody else can talk to and they would be like are you sure because we don't want to scare you away i'm like no my message is for them because they need to know what hope looks like and they didn't even care about the presidential stuff, Lord. They, once they knew I was from Compton and I was flying on Air Force Two, immediately it was like, how do you connect those dots? How did you do that? And that's what I have spoken to kids. And I met some of these kids later on in life and they told me, hey, you gave me that spark of hope that I didn't know was there. I love that you come from a, a strengths place and, and pull that out of people. And I think that is so important for mentors because people do have to believe in themselves. I mean, you can say all this blah, 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 but unless they see it in themselves, it's really not gonna make all that difference. So you were talking about um, the guy in the military who helped you get to a point where you could see yourself as a as somebody who could do the things that you've done. Can you tell me, uh, is there something in particular or a story in particular of how he inspired you? Um, one of the things, when I was in Germany, uh, they have throughout the military these competition boards where you go and pretty much, you know, see how smart you are. So it starts off as soldier of the month, soldier of the quarter, soldier of the region, and soldier of the year. So as I was going through these different competition boards, uh, I was doing really well because I met another staff sergeant uh, from Puerto Rico when I got to Germany. And man, his boots looked so great, Laura, his uniform. This is back in the day when you had to iron your uniform. Now they were there, man, you don't have to iron them. But back then, if you want to look good, you had to iron them. And he just looked like the picture board of poster board for soldiers. And I was like, Sergeant Rivera, how do I get to where you are? And one of the things he told me was, you know, compete in these competition boards because the Army likes to see people that are smart. They like to see people that think outside the box, uh, that can show them that, hey, I'm ready for more responsibility. And when I started going to these boards, this particular sergeant major just happened to be on all the different boards I was going to. Uh, so, when I, so when I did all those boards, I went all the way to soldier of the year. And even though I lost, I always tell the kids I won. Yeah. Because it still gave me so much experience that when I went for my actual uh, sergeant E5 promotion board, it's pretty much the same people that are on the board. So the lesson that I like to share is don't get too cocky because I went into that board, Lord, like there's nothing they're going to ask me that I don't know. I've already smoked these and I'm ready. And I answered every single question, did everything right. And you could get a possible 200 points and I got a 199. At the end of the board, they allow you to, you know, you have any questions for the board. And that's our major telling you about knew I was a little smart Alec. And sure enough, I said, I have one question for the board. Uh, I need to know why I only received a 199 instead of a max 200. Because I answered all the questions right. And so Major Hunt said, I knew you would ask that question. So stand at ease. He said, I want you to remember this lesson. Here we are, 2023. And I still remember this lesson, Lord. He said, regardless of how far you go in life, he said, not just in the military, in life, you don't know it all. You need to make sure you always leave space to learn something new. And whatever that point that I docked you for, it's up to you to figure out what else do you need to learn. And he said, if you do it right, you'll never find that answer because you're going to always be searching on how to get better. And 
it was just the best message that I could have got from a leader. That's awesome. So you're growth oriented too, which I think is, is really important for anybody who wants to live well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think it has to do with success really, but if you want to live well, be growth oriented. <laughs> it's a truth because there's definitely a correlation there between Again, everything that's thrown at your life, even some of the kids I used to talk to that, you know, they got a raw hand, right? You didn't ask for those parents. You didn't ask for that divorce. Yeah. I said, but what if out of that tragedy, it gives you a strength that nobody else gets? Yeah. How can you use that strength and move it for something positive? And then they're always, they know athletes and artists and people that have come from those type of backgrounds. So it's not hard for them to visualize it's not like you know Darrell's making up this stuff they're like oh yeah I do remember when this happened with that person and they turned their pain into this I'm like absolutely I said just imagine you're in the beginning of that road of life yourself and now you have to figure out your path for that and a lot of times um, it's easier for them to see that so how do you um, now that you've cultivated leadership and you've you've done all of these things how do you you said you talk to kids in schools. How else do you use that in your life? So besides talking to the schools um, in my agency, um, I am a certified coach. So I'm also a, a mentor. So I'm constantly looking at whatever place I can go and be a part of that can make that situation better. Because even in like in our agency, in our industry, we have a lot of leaders that get promoted because they're technically good. And then it's like, oh, Laurel, she'll figure out the leadership piece along the way. That's not necessarily how that works. So while while those team members are struggling and that leader is trying to figure out why isn't everybody self-sufficient like I was, I have to try to help fill that gap to say, hey, let's talk about your leadership style. Let's talk about your team. What are some of your challenges? And a lot of those leaders, I find out, Laura, they're looking for somebody to come to them because they're not going to go and say, hey, Laura, can you come help me? I think my leadership is broken. It has to be through a relationship that says, hey, let me just let's just connect every other week and just see how each other are doing. And then from that, especially with guys, you know, we have to just be in a situation to be able to just talk, you know, and then we can get into the deep stuff. And that's one way that I really enjoy just talking and coaching and mentoring other leaders throughout my organization um, to help them get to whatever their next is. Yeah, I think the the relationship piece is essential. <laughs> Otherwise, it can seem combative, you know, and, and that's another thing that people don't have is a lot of relationship skills. So especially if you grew up in a, in a rough environment or a abusive household, you know, you, you learn anger and you learn discord. Um, so I think in doing that, you're probably modeling relationship skills. But I Absolutely. think it wants to wants somebody to pay attention to them and notice them and nurture them. And so I would imagine, I don't know, is it easy or is that a challenge? No, you're exactly right. It is a challenge. And that's one thing I learned when I was a youth pastor is, you know, you just can't walk in front of kids and think that you automatically have their respect. Yeah. It really does have to be earned, even though we as adults look at it the opposite way and say, well, they should respect me anyway because I'm an adult. And I used to do a lot of youth work and workshops. 
up and down the East Coast. And I used to tell them, I said, you have to understand where they're coming from, right? Um, they can't trust anybody. The person who should have been loving them didn't show them any love. Their own mom in some situations are choosing the boyfriends over them. So they're like, well, if my own mom doesn't love me and my own dad doesn't love me, maybe I'm not supposed to be loved, which is totally not true, but they don't know that. So that's why um, I tell those youth workers, you know, don't be so big into teaching them a lesson. Make it more of a priority to, like you said, develop the relationship with them, mm -hmm. right? Show up to their football games. Find out, okay, I can't come to every game, but I'm going to come to a couple of your games. Don't make promises we can't keep. Absolutely. And once you start doing that, then you get their attention and say, hey, tell me a little bit about, you know, this one lesson you were, you know, talking about. I think I saw some of that in my school. Uh, can you kind of go over that again? And then once you get their trust, I think the key is don't try to change them. Just direct them toward whatever goal they want. And if they don't have a goal, help them start dreaming again. Absolutely. <laughs> a dream is a beautiful thing. So what if it's an adult? Um, because I think that adults need to to lead themselves. And, you know, if you didn't have that example, you might have a hard time getting up in the morning, even the little things, you know. So how do, how do you motivate an adult to do that for themselves? So good question. So for the adults, always try to find out what's their why. Right. Once I find out that and I just do that through coaching questions, you know, what's your priorities? You know, what are the things that mean the most to you? And, you know, a lot of people Laura, start off with, well, I want to make as much money as I can. Got it. Why do you want to make as much money as you can? Because I grew up poor. OK, so why do you want to make so much money based on growing up poor? And then once you start asking enough questions, then you get to the heart of the matter is I just want my family to have more than what I had. So then we start talking about, okay, what do you do to make sure that the money and the job doesn't get in the way of the time and the relationship building piece? Because sometimes as guys, we have, we're terrible with working extra hours and telling our wives, well, I'm only doing it for us. I'm doing it for the kids. And they're like, dad, I don't want you to work another extra hour. I want you to go outside and let's go to the National Harbor or let's go to the park. And I try to help adults realize, I see where your goal is, but how do you get to your goal without sacrificing your family? I love that. I don't know that I hear very many people saying that when, especially when they're coaches and it's all about success and making this money and, and the yardstick is a dollar. It's not how happy am I or how, how much time do I have with my family? So I really appreciate you saying that. I think that's got to be a part of the big picture. That's why we're here. It's not to make it's, a bunch of money. I, I totally agree. And I tell people, nothing wrong with wanting more. I said, trust me, I want more for my family as well. But it's really important for our sons and our daughters to see the right way to advancing in our careers and our personal relationships and even in our professional relationships they need to see what right looks like yeah yeah so i imagine um that you get into emotional intelligence then i know that that's a thing with um in corporations when they're hiring people they're looking at that now versus just like what you said you got the skills but you don't have the leadership um do you do anything with that i do and it's really 
um, interesting because the agency that I'm a part of, it's a technical agency. So almost everybody there that's in key positions, they don't have time, Laura, for the touchy-feely stuff. <laughs> and they'll tell me in a minute. And when I meet with those executives and say, okay, hey, sir, just stopping by, you know, check in what's going on. We'll start talking about their challenges. And as we start going through and I start asking them the questions, they'll realize, oh, okay, so it's not that they hate the new reorg. They hate the way that I'm explaining the organization and the fact that I'm not giving them enough information. I'm not taking their input. And then Laura is so funny. They'll stop in the middle like, wait a minute, Darrell, you're teaching me this touchy-feely stuff, aren't you? <laughs> it's like, you call it touchy-feely. I call it being a better leader. Yeah. And a better human. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, just letting them know, again, as an executive, you know, they're going to follow you no matter what the reorg looks like. But wouldn't it be better if you can get everybody's full buy-in? Yeah. And then instead of it taking a year for people to really get behind this restructure, you can get it done in six months. Right. Yeah. So before I let you go, I have to ask. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> if you have a story from um, Air Force Two that you can share something funny, something unusual, something not classified, of course. I would do that for you. <laughs> wow, that's a great question. There's so many. Um, I think one that stands out. Wow. I'm trying to think, especially on Air Force Two. That one is it's kind of different because everything is so structured when we get up there. And, um, but I'll, I'll give you one before we got on Air Force Two. There was a time where the vice president was getting ready to go to a ball, and this is Vice President Cheney, and um, he was having some challenges before we even left. And a lot of times the military aide will reach out to us as the communication people say, hey, the vice president has a problem. Can you go check up what's going on? I remember going to see the vice president. This is, you know, way before um, all the TV channels came out. This is like very, very beginning where you start to have all these extra channels. And I just remember going to the vice president. We were talking and he was like, yeah, I can't get this issue fixed. And I know we're getting ready to go to this gala. And he told his wife, you know, that, you know, I was there. So I wouldn't surprise her. And man, we were just trying to work on this issue for the longest. And I always felt like, man, if I don't get this thing fixed, we're going to look like failures. So I really need to get to figure this thing out. And then we ended up calling for some extra assistance. And it was somebody else in one of his other offices that were at the White House, but they came to the residence. And on their way to the residence, um, it was so funny. He was like, well, since you're waiting on this person, you mind if we watch a little TV? I'm like, sure. <laughs> so... He's turning the TV, trying to find a Western. And again, this is in the very beginning where all these channels are showing up and he could not find a Western to save his life. He was channel 101, 120, and he got so frustrated. And I think we landed on some movie. He's like, are you kidding okay watching this movie? I'm like, sir, whatever you want to watch, I'm, I'm going to watch because I'm just here to help you out before we get to the gala tonight. So it was so funny. Then his um, assistant came in and we kind of figured out together, you know, what the challenge was and we're able to take care of it. 
And then we were going to the gala and I always tell the kids, you know, they don't know you know you like that. They just know that Laura's a part of my detail or she's my yeah. communication person, but they don't know you by your name. But I just remember every time we go into our uh, event, we always go the back way. Secret Service has it kind of sealed off. And as we were going up these spiral steps, I just remember the vice president looking at me and realized like, hey, you're the guy that helped me out. And he kind of gave me the nod, like, what's up? Thank you. <laughs> and they were like, no way, the vice president gave you the nod. I'm like, the vice president of the United States gave me the nod, acknowledging, let me know that, hey, I appreciate how you helped me out that day. That's awesome. And it was awesome because again, they're so busy, you know, controlling things that's way more important than my uh, time, my uh, pay grade. But just for him to realize, like, hey, I know I don't have it all, and I know I need people to help me, and I appreciate what you did for me. I always thought that was pretty cool. Uh, that's cool. So what you got coming up? So the biggest thing right now is I am working on the book because everybody that I meet, no matter what, they're like, from the hood to the house, you got to write that book. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm working on it, but I'm taking my time because my, my main mentor has told me, don't rush it just to get a book out there. He's like, really take your time with it. Um, figure out the stories that have meaning, but also the stories that's going to motivate. And uh, so that's definitely one of those stories I'm putting in the book. So I'm taking my time with that and just excited about uh, where that's going to take me. And then in the, on the government side, they have a group called the Presidential Management Fellow Program where they'll take different people throughout the government and be anywhere up to 100-some people, and they break them down into about 14 different cohorts or groups, and they're on their own little leadership journey for about nine months. Mm. So I was fortunate to be one of the coaches for one of those uh, cohorts. So just being able to work with them and help them on their early, the early stages of being in the government and preparing them for leadership even now, that's uh, really exciting. That's awesome. So how can people find you? Pretty easy. They can reach me on Facebook by going through Alliance Seminars Coaching, mm -hmm. or they can also find me on our website, allianceseminars.org. And I'm one of those people that's always available. And again, my life has been so fulfilled that I'm at a stage now where I just have to give back. So even if I can't help that person with whatever they're working through, um, I'm sure there's somebody in my network that I can connect them to that can definitely help them out. Awesome. And that will also be in the show notes so you don't have to stop and write anything down. <laughs> so I appreciate you being here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Laura, thank you for having me and appreciate your podcast and how you're putting together all these guests to um, really help out a lot of your listeners. You can never have enough help. So thank you. Yeah. See y'all next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.